What's up, everyone? Uh, sounds like quarantine might be getting a, some of the restrictions might be lifted soon. So hopefully you can get out and uh, enjoy this weather if you're having nice weather where you're at. Uh, we're back talking in episodes five and six of The Last Dance. And I mean, Noza does a good job of staying on track. I start telling some stories about the UFC and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I'm all over the place, but it was cool and it was fun. And I've been surprised that people have liked the other episode as much as they have. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this one too. And uh, yeah, stay safe, be smart, and I hope you enjoy. I was surprised at the feedback I got on this. I mean, we we kind of rushed this, and I wasn't exactly sure like if people would be into it, but they were at least what I heard. Did you hear anything? Uh, I heard some things, but I mean, really, it's just the only thing to talk about that's new, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's new, but it's old. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not even really new. Yeah. So no, I've heard a lot of good feedback from it too. From the pod or from the from the podcast uh, oh, okay all right yeah well me too i was surprised what, what were some of especially because i don't know i didn't i don't know anything about basketball so it was like yeah right it, it was cool to hear that um i was just surprised you know like people that normally listen to the pod were like hey that one was really good like <laughs> subtly implying finally you had a good one aren't good yeah so that was nice but i mean hey i'll take what i can get at this point so um yeah so we're going over episodes five and six right Yes. Okay. I think these two are going to be my two favorite, to be honest, because they're going over the Dream Team stuff. That time, 92, I was still watching a lot of hoops. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I think these two episodes will be my two favorite of the series. But um, And I've actually seen seven and eight. So, uh, Dang, cheater. They're also very good. And that's a hard thing. Like When we decided to do this, I'd already seen up through eight. So I was trying to go back and take notes on five and six, so I'd have some more stuff today. But life got in the way, so I will do my best. I've got a couple things, a couple of tricks up the old sleeve. But um, yeah, uh, what? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the stuff that you had to talk about, or what? Well, first of all, don't drop any teasers on seven oh, and eight. Yeah, because be some no of us alerts. like to wait Although, and don't watch the bootleg. I can't I can't guarantee that because I they I watch them all at the same time so they may run together so keep me on track and then I'll try to stay within the the frame because I don't remember which <laughs> one was episode six and which one was episode seven so well I I want to start with ninety two because that was the Blazers series yeah and as a kid I was a Blazers fan and that was really disappointing for me not getting that championship as an eight year old. It really would have meant a lot to me. And my See, brother so was I... in the Bulls. And I, I can still remember. Oh, like, really? I can still remember. Like, I thought the game was a blowout um, as far as my memory because I was outside shooting around like, you know, someday I'm going to grow up and beat the Bulls because I got to get them back for this. And I remember <laughs> yeah. hearing, hearing my brother just celebrating in the house. But then when they showed it, like, it was a four-point game with 11 seconds. And, like, that's obviously that's a tough comeback, but that. You know, crazier comebacks have happened than that. So it wasn't like it was a blowout. Yeah. yeah. 
See, now, I I was not going to games, but back in the 80s when tickets were still affordable and a single mom could take her son to go see games, I went to... It was crazy, too, because if you had... You could buy packages, like 14-game packages or whatever. Yeah. And then um, if they made the playoffs, you got playoff tickets, too. You could, like, opt into buying those. So I had playoff tickets for, like... Lakers Blazers back when both of them were really good like the late 80s wow early yeah it was crazy so I mean I went and then the other thing is that my fifth grade teacher worked for the Blazers he was like one of the camera guys hopefully I don't get him in trouble at this point but he would give me his pass like his credential to get back back like in the locker room so I would like go back and like meet all the players like I was in the Laker locker room is that the magic story is that how you got back there yeah, that's how I got back there. Magic signed all my autographs, which I would like to. So when I when I was telling all my friends, I thought it was really cool that I was gonna be able to go back and <laughs> in the Laker locker room. And I actually I went back like two or three times um, in their locker room. But the first time I told my friends, and they were all like, "Oh my gosh, get Magic's autograph!" So I had like fifteen things for them to sign, <laughs> and I put. Being the guy that I am, I put my card at the very bottom. And there was, like, little mini posters, and there was, like, all kinds of, like, random stuff that people wanted me to get signed for them. So I go up to him, and, you know, I'm, like, so nervous. I'm, like, a sixth grader or seventh grader. I'm totally scared out of my mind. And, like, here's my hero, Magic Johnson. I'd already stepped on Orlando Woolridge's foot. You know, I mean, so I'm already a little rattled. You know, there's a bunch of people in the locker room. I don't really know what's going on. I see Kareem. Like, I mean, it's, like... You're like, wow, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like five feet away from me. It was insane. Anyway, I bumped into James Worthy. and So anyway, long story short. So Magic is there, and I take my like 15 things up. And, you know, normally guys are signing autographs. If they're signing 15 things, they know that like someone's selling them, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. I wasn't selling any of them. All of them were for people that I knew or, you know, was friends with. Like it was all for legit People, I didn't sell one of those autographs. So, Magic, if you ever hear this, I did not I did not sell any of those. Anyway, so I put mine at the very bottom because I was like, you know, I'll try to make sure I get everybody signed before I get mine signed. So he signs all of them except mine because my card is, like, hidden behind this little mini poster and he can't see – he doesn't see it. <laughs> so he signs them and hands them back to me. And he kind of made some, like, you know, like, nice Magic Johnson comment, like, man, you want me to sign all of those? You know, like – just being nice but like kind of give me a hard time and i'm like uh, yes please so he hands them back to me and i'm like oh my gosh he didn't sign mine but like little me didn't know what to do like what do i say hey thanks for signing all those but you forgot mine you know what i mean like i kind of panicked i was like uh, uh, uh. so i like leave and i go get a couple other guys autographs and then i i don't know what i was thinking like if i circle back he won't remember it to me you know, so I like get all these other autographs and then I circle back and I have just my card left and I take it back. He's like, man, he's like you again. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know what to say. I was, like, uh, was like, this one's mine though. You know, so he signs. He's totally nice about it and gives it back to me. So, but that was my one run in with Magic Johnson. I was, he'd signed them all. It was very nice. It's very like, you know, he was like, the magic you see on TV, that's who he was when I met him, too. He was, like, super nice and did – but I was, like, for about 
five minutes there, I was, I just kept thinking like, what am I going to do? How do I get my autograph? You know, I got everyone else's autograph for, except mine. Like, how am I going to get this? So anyway, but all is well. I got it. It was awesome. On you my, still have it? I do have it somewhere, buried somewhere. But yes, I do have it. That's it's my great. probably my my second most prized autograph. That's a great story. Uh, we were talking about ninety two, but I think like, yeah. Sorry, I just went on this random that, tangent. That's, no, that story right there. You think about the accessibility, like you're just walking around getting <laughs> autographs in the locker room, and I, all I was showing was some random like badge. Like uh, people really thinking I work for the Blazers. Like come on, but you know, in the eighties there was less worry about security i guess well then yeah i'm just a little kid too what are they gonna in the in the episodes and i think it was number six you can just see the amount of attention and pressure that jordan has from the public yeah uh and that's just in 93 let alone 98 when they were kind of making that connection but i mean just to imagine like that accessibility and then even in 98 and then even now just how out of control things would be. Yeah. Although I don't know if, if he was playing now, I don't know if it would be at the scale it was, it was at, you know, because there's just so many more options now, you know, like yeah. back in the nineties, what were you going to watch like mm-hmm. on TV? There was like, you know, 30 channels and 25 of them sucked. So, like when these games came on, like that was, that was it. You know, I mean, the only thing that comes close to that now is the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, if you look at the numbers that popular shows did back in the eighties and nineties, it's like unbelievable how many people were watching these events. And now, even I mean, the Super Bowl is the only thing sporting wise that gets close. Like, if you look at how many people are watching random NBA playoff games, it's not even close anymore to what it was back then. So I feel like he was probably actually more popular than, than he would be now. Like he would be popular, but not, I don't know if he would have been like Beatles status. Like they compared him to in, in the dock. It was interesting to seeing him like in his hotel room. Like I don't leave. I go to the game and I come back and I don't <laughs> leave. And yeah. Uh, part of me wonders now, like LeBron James goes to, whatever a city for a game like is he doing that too or is he able to get out and go because like you said there's more to watch Uh, i think social media keeps people at home more too so instead of having to go and try to get a glimpse of lebron he's posting on his instagram story taco tuesday and now you can you can just watch it like oh yeah that's what lebron does awesome versus back then it's like Mm -hmm. how do i see jordan like I, i gotta see him how do I get to see him? Yeah. And you had to go camp out and be at the hotel or in the parking garage or whatever, like I showed on the episode. I mean, do you think it's the same yeah. for these guys? Obviously, we have no idea. We're just living in Salem. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think those I think those guys still probably don't go out that often. I did hear a story. You're making me like tell, bring up all these stories. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes, him and his wife went out to a pizza place in Kansas City. And no one bothered him. They like let him eat. And so when he was leaving, what do you like? Do you know the story? No. Oh, okay. So when he was leaving, him and his wife stop at the door. He turns around and he said, 
makes an announcement to the whole restaurant. He says, I just want to thank everyone here for letting me come in and eat a meal with my wife and not, you know, not hassle me. He's like, so just so you know, I paid for everyone's bill. He said, I just want you to know I love this city and walked out. But I think that most of the most athletes don't do that. You know, they don't go out because it is a hassle. Like, I mean, dude, these guys are like super tall, big, strong, athletic guys. They stick out. Like, they don't look like some average guy working in a cubicle. And so I think it's hard. Like, they can't really blend in. You know, even actors and musicians and stuff, they they look physically more like regular average people. So they yeah. can probably, like, disguise themselves. These guys are 6'8", walking around. Like, how are they going to? How are they going to blend in, you know? So Do you think socially there's think more of like a you think there's more like an understanding now socially too like oh, they just want to be a person and eat their food. Maybe we shouldn't go and ask them to sign my arm while they're eating <laughs> not corn if, on the cob. <laughs> not if what I hear on, you know, Rogan's podcast, he says he gets hassled all the time when he goes out. So I mean, well, I he think, has he has a different I think type people of people just don't have a filter. Yeah, but yeah. I think people are like when they see famous people, they like lose their mind. They're like, "Oh my god, it's, it's LeBron James!" I, I have to like LeBron really wants to give give me a picture right now. I'm sure, you know, it's like they just like lose their minds. LeBron's like, "I'm just trying to eat right now," you know. So, you know I don't I think, think it's so. funny. Just off this on this subject is everybody you know wanted to see what Michael Jordan's life was like, and like now with social media, I think the average person feels that in their head like I oh I better post like what I'm doing on a Tuesday afternoon so everybody can see it is there any yeah. correlation like with the mental health that we're seeing now like the decline in mental health or whatever uh you know a lot of anxiety and depression and kind of like living in that imaginary world where everybody's so focused on what I'm doing I better show them this or that yeah I don't know I mean everyone everyone is quick to blame technology I mean, back when the printing press was invented, people were blaming, were talking about the threat of books. So, I mean, this is kind of a reaction everyone has to new technology, no matter what it is. I mean, does it have negative side effects? I'm not really sure because there are the majority of people, like, people aren't posting, like, here I am working my terrible job again. You know, they're not posting that. They're like, Look at me out hiking this weekend. Meanwhile, they probably just hiked to the top of that thing so they could get a good <laughs> picture to post on their Instagram. You know, they're probably miserable the whole time. So I don't know, man. I don't know what the effect of that is, but I am careful to, like, just say, oh, well, social media is a horrible thing, and it's it's the reason kids are depressed, and it's the reason – because I don't think that's – it may be a contributing factor, but there's a lot of things. Like, we spend – less like actual interaction time with people you know what i mean that's a factor you know like parents are probably less connected than they were to their kids like in a real way you know they're more digitally connected i mean maybe all that i don't know i'm not sure what do you think i just thought it was interesting how it it's right now it's making it seem like the media attention and the fit and the public uh attention he's getting day in and day out is kind of driving him to retire in 93 and you see that on a daily basis now. I mean, it's more of like more of like a mental approach, I guess. Whereas we all have a you know a platform on social media or whatever where people are viewing us, and if it's unhealthy, we can have that perception in our mind that 
everybody is so focused on what I'm doing. And like, like you said, it's not like to blame technology or social media that it's evil in general, but sometimes depending on the individual, it can be something where we try to make it seem like I have pressure on myself to show the world this because I've made that expectation of myself. Yeah. Well, and that's what's even more impressive about like LeBron. I mean, that guy has been famous yeah. since he was like 15. Mm-hmm. And he's never stumbled. He's never, you know, had mm-hmm. some crazy event where you're like, oh, what was he doing? You know, I mean, that's that's insane. I mean, because, you know, Jordan had some stuff, you know, that might be jumping ahead that people were, people had questions about, you know, which in hindsight is crazy. But anyway, you know, it is interesting, though, that one security guard, <laughs> the dude with the, the white guy with the jerry curl. Oh, that guy he, was awesome. It, when he gives the shrug, like he's blowing up on the <laughs> internet right now because of the shrug. Like he's got a three person, he's got like a three name. He's like you know, John, William, whatever. Like he's got like it's, but he is blowing up. That guy's like the hero of the internet from this series right now. He's like the better version of the Tiger King, basically. But um, he's I don't know why everyone because it was funny at the time when he hits the shrug on Jordan after beating them in some in like some game it wasn't even dice they were like quarter trying to get the quarter close to the wall okay yeah 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 like what a crazy thing they were but like he does it beats Jordan and gives him the shrug that was classic and anyway he's like the hero of the internet for the week um but it is interesting like that's who he spent a lot of time with with the, were those security guards because he was just he couldn't go anywhere that's what my crazy that's my life that would be that's one of my favorite parts so far just like michael jordan the biggest figure in sports at that time and like here's these security guards and who would guess that like these are his closest friends maybe yeah. they're not maybe they're not his closest friends but the episodes made it seem like that and like this guy with well, the, the people j- he's spending this time with yes for sure and and the guy with the curly hair like has enough rapport with Jordan <laughs> to beat him, take his money, and then shrug on him. Like, like he's not <laughs> intimidated one bit. He's like, this is Mike. This is my friend. And he just turned uh, around. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it makes Jordan so mad. <laughs> I know. He's so mad that that guy who makes like a tenth, no, less than that, like a hundredth of his salary, just took like 20 bucks uh, from him. So good. And it's... Oh man, that's that one of my favorite classic. parts so far. But back yeah. to '92, back to '92. Yeah, sorry, we got we got. Derailed. I'm just telling all kinds of random stories now. I told you I had stories. Yeah, but no, it's good. Anyway. I, I like the stories. Uh, <laughs> I think Jordan demolished the Blazers franchise in '92 because they had that run. He's already mad at them for not. I'm sure he's like in his head, like these guys passed on me to get Sam Bowie. I'm not going to let them take a title from me. But yeah. he destroyed them in 92. Rumor has it that he destroyed Clyde on the Dream Team, just like in his head during practices, because he knew that he just beat him for a title. He just had MVP over him. People are trying to compare them, and Jordan doesn't want to let that happen. And the Blazers kind of just, they kind of fall apart. I mean, Drexler has a horrible season the next year. Adam gets fired a year after that. They trade Drexler to the Rockets. Then they become the Jailblazers, and then they're at the lowest point, uh, lowest point of the franchise. They're out of the playoffs, one of the worst records in the league. And a lot of that can be traced to '92, when it was like the end of that era of Porter and Drexler and Kersey. 
And I don't know. I just, when I watched it this time, that's what I kind of thought. I was like, man, Jordan not only beat them in 92, but that kind of started the downfall of the franchise until, you know, Brandon Roy and then now Damian Lillard brought it back. Yeah. I mean, there was, yeah. John Michael Wozniak, too, by the way. That's that guy's name. <laughs> we got to give him a proper shout out. Um, yeah, the the thing I thought about the 92 series, which is weird, is that, well, there was a couple things. First of all, Jordan breaks a record for threes and a half, and it's five at that point, which is, which is crazy. He makes six, but, I mean, he breaks the record at five. The previous record was four, and now that seems, you know, yeah. seems comical. But um, I thought it was weird that, um, Drexler wasn't interviewed. Why wasn't he in the doc? I think he's bitter. Like I've heard, I've heard Drexler yes, talk. I, uh, I think so too. Have you heard the Dream Team tapes, the podcast? The guy that wrote the Dream Team book. No, he kind of uh-huh. has. He has a podcast going where he's kind of releasing some of the raw interviews. And one of the things Drexler Drexler said, and this is pretty close to a verbatim quote. It's not. It's not exactly it, but he said, "I didn't know what the big deal was with Jordan." Like. I'm bigger than him. I'm faster than him. I can jump as high as him. I I I don't know why everybody says he's so much better than me. I I think I'm better than him. Like he thought in his head he and, was better than Jordan. So at this point, I don't know why he's probably tired of the fluff pieces on Jordan. Maybe he doesn't want to be demolished mm-hmm. for trying to speak in his truth, but yeah, I don't I think he has nothing to gain by being in a documentary like this. And that's to me what made me think that Drexler that's what I was like that's why Drexler is not as good as Jordan yeah because he didn't realize why Jordan was so much better yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. like he was just the thing with Drexler and, and I was able to meet him a couple times too when I was is he was always really really nice you know and I think that's that was his downfall he was like too nice he didn't have the killer instinct that Jordan had you know, and there's even a story, and I thought I was like one of the few people that knew it, but then I heard sports guy tell it too. So, but I'd heard it before him, before he said something. But basically, during the Dream Team, Drexler, he was there. You know, they were staying in a hotel room with all their family, and so he had a room with his wife and kids. And so he left for practice while they were still sleeping. And when he left, he grabbed his shoes, and when he got to practice, he didn't realize he had two left shoes. Well, he'd realized, sorry, he realized after he left, but he didn't want to go back and, and wake up his family, so he just played, he just practiced with two left shoes on. And Jordan saw it, and, and like, all of the guys were, like, giving him crap about it. But what I thought was interesting was, like, that was Clyde Drexler's mentality, right, was he didn't want to wake his wife and kids up. You know, he was trying to be a nice guy, and so he's like, well, I'll just, <laughs> I mean, how, how awkward would that be to practice with two left shoes on? But he did it because he didn't want to wait. And that was in my mind, I was like, as nice as that is, that's why Drexel wasn't as good as Jordan. Yeah. You make a case. And, well, I don't think you can make a case any other way. I mean. No, there's, I mean, he's got the one title with Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, never had an MVP. Never had a defensive player of the year. He was he was a good player, but it was you know, but there was a mentality back though. Like the crazy thing about the NBA in '84 when the Blazers passed on Jordan is like Jordan and Drexler is a little better combo than Drexler and Kersey. I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. like it's kind of it's kind of interesting that they didn't think about that back in the, the '80s. 
I don't know. Yeah. Mind-boggling to me, but it yeah. is what it is, and Sam Bowie got hurt, and we didn't get the title. Yeah. That was... Uh, I mean, the Blazers have had some, a lot of bad luck in the draft, you know, but yeah. I mean... We're not going to talk about that right now. Yeah. There's some things you yeah. want to talk about with the Dream Team. What What was on your mind with the Dream Team? Well, I was really glad that they went over that the story of that practice because that practice has been talked about you know i'm not like a huge nba fan anymore but like that practice has been like revered and people whispered about it and talked about it and i actually i was gonna google it i didn't have time but there was um an event called uh the fab 40 did you ever hear about that no okay it only happened one time and it was i think 1993 yeah, is that right? Maybe it was 92 after they came back from Barcelona. But anyway, they had the 40 best high school players at the time come to Portland. They played at Sunset High School. Shout out to Rich Schubricks. His dad, I think, set it up. But anyway, they had the, and I know Kevin Garnett was there. If you Google it, you could find out. I'm sure there was a bunch of other really good players there. There was a guy with his last name was Ward. I don't remember his first name. He went to Michigan. But he... He shot. He hit six threes in a row, and then shot the seventh seventh one left-handed. Made it. It was insane. The gym went nuts. But anyway, and they had some guy named Malcolm Little who was dunking. He was five six. Now I'm just quite off. He was five six and could dunk and like like hammer and yak and do like crazy high, and do crazy dunks. And he was the halftime show. Anyway, the gym was packed. It was like this, you know random high school. And the 40 best high school players at the time were there. And I should. I do want to Google it. Maybe I'll do it for next week and give you a list of the players that were there. I, I just remember Kevin Garnett was there. But um, anyway, they had this thing for coaches, and I was able to sneak in. Um, and they were doing a coaching clinic. And it was like P.J. Carlissimo, uh, Krzyzewski, Raleigh Massimino. It was like all the all the, the coaches that Nike had on staff. Anyway, P.J. Carlissimo gets up and talks about the Dream Team a little bit. And then... Krzyzewski is on there and he told this story he said you know you're he's like you, you know you're at the, these practices you know and you look over and you see David Robinson he's you know you're like god he's so tall you know he's like and then you look over and you see Carl Malone you're like god he's so big it's like and then you look over at Michael and you're like god and then that was the story it was just, everyone laughed <laughs> but you know at that time, it was sort of like that passing of the torch for when Michael kind of established that he was the best player in the league. And I thought it was cool that they kind of went over that. And I love the story that Magic told about that practice and how they get on the bus. Or Rod Thorne was telling the story, and he says, you know, that there was like some tension on the bus from that practice because guys were still kind of upset. And then Magic, who is like, this is that's who he is. Like, he would be, I bet he would be the best teammate, you know. He says, hey, Charles, I guess we should have pissed off that man. <laughs> you know, like, that, and then that was sort of like the icebreaker that I thought it was really cool, though, that they went into, like, what happened in that game because there was footage of that game. It was, like, rumored for a while, like, oh, they have footage of this practice and it's insane. Speaking and, of the footage, you know, why don't they just release the footage and show us the game? Yeah, isn't it weird? I don't know. It's like it's like this secret thing. I don't know if you can maybe you can find it on YouTube now, but it was I remember them talking. I was thinking the same thing. Like, why don't they just release it? Like, people would really want to see that. And they, I mean, they have clips of it in that in the doc. But well, you know, I they don't have know. you know they have the whole game somewhere. And the same of with course the, they do. The same with the one where they lost against the college stars and then beat them the next day. Yeah, like just show those yeah. games. People want to see something right now. 
Of course, yeah. Put it, yeah. Put it on now. I mean, it's gonna be new content people hadn't seen. They, of course, they, yeah. I don't know. I'm not really sure, but I know it was kind of one of those things that they were like, "Oh yeah, there's this footage." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, we'll release it. Let people see it." So I don't know. I'm not really sure, but I remember, you know, the the uh, tournament of the Americas was in Portland. Yeah. You know, and so all those guys were here. I had friends who like went to the games. I don't know. I I went to one of the games, but it was not the U.S. It was like Brazil and you know Argentina. Oscar Schmidt at the time was their the Brazil's best player. But anyway, I went to a I couple remember, of those games. If I remember but, correctly, you could buy ticket packages, but you weren't guaranteed games. Like it was like you're gonna get a random set of games or something like that. I don't even remember, but I I remember people had tickets for specifically for the U.S. games, and I was so jealous that my friends were going, but. Um, yeah, what a crazy thing that that happened in Portland too. You know, of all the I know all the cities, you know, these major cities, and we somehow landed that. But um, yeah, anyway, that was the last big event Portland's ever had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was yeah. But the '92, oh boy, the Blazers were good in that time too. And you look, you're like, oh man, what a good. You know, I saw Buck Williams in there. I'm like, man, they had a squad, but I just couldn't get over the hump. And honestly, the difference is, I don't know, because I, I heard the sports guy talking about it, too, and I don't want to, like, just keep kicking Clyde Drexler, but, I mean, he said that, too. He he alluded to that fact, too, that uh, Drexler was is still kind of confused at the fact that why people talk about Jordan the way they do and don't talk about him in that same way. And to me, I'm like, that's the proof that he's not, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Unfortunately, is. As as harsh as that is, that's the reason that the reason that he doesn't get that is why people talk about Jordan one way and talk about him another. Well, and I think if you look at Drexler's career, and he was basically the same player. Like, what did he add to his game? I I can't think of something where I say, oh yeah, at this point, this is what he added to his game. And and when he got old, he was basically just an old man version of what he was. And I think the yeah, great, which wasn't the great. The cool thing about Jordan, yeah, it was it was not great. The cool thing about Jordan is when he got older and wasn't as explosive and couldn't elevate as high, he really developed his back to the basket game. And I mean, basically, those last three years of Jordan back with the Bulls, he basically became a back to the basket player. And you could right. say that he he played in the post more than he played in the perimeter, and it allowed him to continue to play at the MVP level uh, later in his career. Whereas, like, you know, Clyde, he just he was the same guy, just an older version, which took away from a lot of his well, game. Again, I felt like that was – that's more proof, right? Like, Jordan didn't want to – he was, like, I'm committed to finding a way to continue to dominate, continue to be the best player in the league. And I think Clyde was kind of okay with his declining skill set. And that's, again, like – that's why, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. everything we point to is like, yeah, that's why, but it's, and, and it would make sense that he would be kind of okay with that and not understand also why people revere Jordan and don't revere him. It's like, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, yeah. This, this is an interesting know. thing to me because we even saw with Kobe, he got a little older. He started playing more back to the basket. LeBron, mm-hmm. LeBron is 35 right now. He's still handling the ball and coming off pick and rolls. He goes back to the basket a little bit. But the change of the game, and he's still able to do it, I think it's pretty impressive. Uh, I always said early on in LeBron's career, maybe in middle mid-career, like he's going to have to develop a post-game to have longevity. Yeah. And that, I mean, he's proven that to be like 
no, like I'm still going to play a point guard at 35. Yeah, I mean the rules are different, you know, and they talk about the hand checking. So you know, what I mean, so it might yeah. be easier to like, you know, you can lose a half step and still be able to yeah. get in the lane and make plays. Plus, I mean, he's you know he's just an incredible, he's six nine and yeah. two fifty and moves like a like a little guy. I mean, it's insane. I also so, wonder too. Back in the late nineties, did Phil Jackson ever say like, hey, maybe we'll just put Michael Jordan at point guard? And have mm-hmm. him direct like that wasn't a thing, right? It was like no, Michael Jordan's a two. He better play the two. But it was weird because they they were really running Scotty as the point, you know, as a point yeah. forward because it wasn't like B.J. Armstrong or Kerr or Paxson were playing the point. I mean, those guys weren't great ball handlers, so and they weren't like initiating the offense. They were shooters, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, they were. They did kind of break the conventional mold in that they sort of had Scotty initiating a lot of their offense. They three-peated twice, and yeah. three-peats are really hard to do just by history. I mean, the Lakers did it with Kobe and Shaq, mm-hmm. and none of the teams in the 80s did it, if I remember correctly. Right. And I, what I like from the documentary is they show like, not just, not just physically. I mean, you're playing that many more games than other teams, if you go to the finals year in and year out. But like mm-hmm. mentally, mentally they were just exhausted. And you right. see it with teams when you have a younger team and they get older together in high school and they kind of get you kind of get sick of each other for a little bit as the season mm-hmm. goes on. And I can only imagine as grown men traveling that much together for three seasons. Just like how sick you'd get of people. Well, yeah, and a high school season is like, you know, at most 30-some games. You're yeah. talking about 82 games plus the playoffs. Yeah. Plus exhibition. I mean, you're talking, I mean, the NBA season starts in what, October? No, I mean, as is now. Yeah. October and then runs through June? Well, and then going in that Wait. third year, he had the Olympics also. Yeah, right. So the mental exhaustion that he must have had at the end of 93 – it must have been on another level. And I'm glad they've yeah. kind of hinted as that being the reason for his retirement. I don't think before the documentary, I didn't really hear much about that. It was mostly like his dad died or didn't have anything else to prove. But right. seeing this side of it, it's like, of course he retired. Right. When the doc gets into that, you know, or so I heard. I mean, uh-huh. so I, we shouldn't talk. No, I, I, can see, for... I can see it being hinted at like that uh, after episode six. Yeah, they definitely go more into that as as it progresses, but um, yeah. So, I I wanted to give a shout out to the soundtrack first of all for that for that episode, for those episodes. Uh, I mean, you had Nas, "If I Ruled the World," "Tribe Called Quest," "Can I Kick It," "Black Sheep," "Choices Yours." I mean, there were some like bangers in that episode. Um, and then the there was a couple observations I had. One, the Jordan ones are not good hoop shoes. He, <laughs> he talks about that, um, and then also I thought it, I didn't realize I knew that uh, Spike Lee. Obviously, I remember the Mars Blackman commercials, but um, I had for I didn't realize he was producing them too. But I mean, those were as someone that's old enough to remember those. Those were like instrumental in the popularity of Jordans. Yes. I, re- I mean, they were hugely popular. I mean, 
everyone was talking about. And they were like, is it the shoes? Money, is it the shoes? Like, I mean, <laughs> it was everywhere. There were shirts. I remember there was, is it the shoes shirts with Mars Blackman on it? I mean, that that was like the big time. Like, graphic tees were big at that time. And everyone was wearing, you know, Mars Blackman shirts and is it the shoes? And I mean, so I wanted to make sure we mentioned the cultural significance of that. It was like, it was all over pop culture at that point. Like, everyone was talking about those commercials. You so couldn't see them enough. Mentioned. When I was a kid, like, you see one, you just want to see more. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, big deal. And then the last thing that I had was, and this is sort of like, this will bring the podcast down, but do you think the Kobe stuff would have been as prominent if, the tragedy hadn't happened with him and his his daughter and all those other people in the helicopter crash because I felt like they made his portion of these episodes bigger than maybe they would have had he still been alive. Do you did you have any thoughts on that? I see what you're saying and I kind of agree, but at the same time, part of me wonders if they could have made it more of a not just the Kobe and Jordan thing, but the influence he had on the game, on mm-hmm. the players in the league, the younger players in the league, because I, you know, you know that he, I mean, they kind of showed it in the locker room. Those guys are all looking up to Jordan. Like, this is Michael <laughs> yeah. Jordan. Like they're in the all-star game with cool. him. Like, this is Michael Jordan. That footage you know? was crazy because it's unintentional. Like the guy, yeah. they're not like, Hey, let's show that these guys all really look up to Michael Jordan. It's just like, you can see it. He's just yeah. commanding the room. Like, uh-huh. Whoa. You know, I mean, Tim Hardaway is looking at him like, whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was eye opening to me. I was like, wow. I would like to see peers. more about. Uh, it sounds like Kobe and Jordan had like this brotherly relationship or mentorship that wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't public knowledge. Yeah, I mean, of course, Kobe wants to be like Jordan. He plays like him and that sort of thing. But it sounds like they were a lot closer than we all thought, and it'd be cool to yeah. kind of kind of see more about that and maybe there'll be another documentary soon where they'll explore that. But I thought that was well, really interesting. Yeah, and it made more sense of why Michael Jordan was emo- as emotional as he was at Kobe's funeral. You know, so uh-huh. and he said, you know, he said something about, yeah, I saw Kobe's little brother and then Kobe was actually talking about it in the doc. I was like, yeah. "Oh, okay." So it it made a lot more sense as to why Jordan was as shaken by Kobe's death as he was so yeah yeah, it was that was interesting for sure but it did I felt like oh man they're like they're they're adding more Kobe stuff in this section be probably as a tribute to Kobe partially too so I don't know it's good these were my I think these are probably going to be my two favorite episodes well I would know because I didn't go on the bootleg version and cheat. I mean, who said I got a bootleg? Maybe they sent me. They wanted to know my opinion, <laughs> like the sports guy. And they sent me the the presser ahead of time, and I saw those too. Seven the, and eight. The last thing I have for now, and I maybe maybe you won't tease this, so maybe you know there'll be more coming in the next few episodes. Okay, but mm-hmm. they're really showing a lot of the golfing, cigar smoking Michael Jordan. Yeah, like, right? Like, this is what he does, and then he goes out and dominates the NBA, and then he goes <laughs> yeah. to the hotel and smokes cigars and golfs when he can. <laughs> yeah. And I have a really hard time believing that, however old he was, 35 at the time, maybe, uh, that that's all he was doing in between games and practices 
Like I, I yeah. want them to show more of his approach to, uh, but whatever training, film sessions. Like, and yeah. maybe he was. Maybe he was just like, man, this I got this championship easy. Let me just smoke cigars and golf. Well, and, and you know, also if he's in the gym training, maybe it's not as exciting footage, you know. But and and maybe he wasn't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, that did that did I was strike me. But at the same time, I was thinking. Well, in 1993, like, what did they know about nutrition and, you know what I mean? Like, I'm speaking more 98. Yeah. Yeah. The old man. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It'll it'll be inter- – and that might be part of the reason that LeBron has been able to maintain his level yeah. of performance the there's way no he has because yeah, he doesn't no do that, that stuff. You know, and I mean, mm-hmm. not only that, but Jordan was notorious for not sleeping, staying out yeah. all night, like – Guys would never do that now. No. Remember in the UFC back in the day when Rampage and Chuck Liddell fought, um, you know, it was like the, at the time the biggest fight of the – then we're switching gears, but it was the biggest fight in UFC history at that point. And I remember I had some friends that were there, and they were like, yeah, we saw we saw uh, Rampage out that night. We were like the night before, night before the fight. He's out till like 2 in the morning partying at a club. And everyone was like, I can't believe it. What's this not taken seriously? And they're like, well, yeah, Chuck was at a different club at the same time. You know, it's like, this is a different era, like, just different <laughs> level of seriousness. I mean, those guys today just wouldn't do that because, I don't think, because they're, it's so competitive now, you know? Yeah. And and there's guys like LeBron who are not doing that, who are spending 250000 uh, maybe it's a million. He spends at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year on his maintaining his body. You They've know? said a million. Like, yeah. Million, so I mean, yeah. when you when you're going when that's the bar, if you're gonna stay out till three, and hang out and be at you know be at a club super late, you're gonna you're gonna already be at a disadvantage. So I mean, I think yeah. some of that has shifted. Totally. You know? Yeah. So, without a doubt. I don't know. There was no whoop straps in nineteen ninety eight. No, there was no you know. straps. So yeah. So anyway, yeah. That's all. That's all I have. I just basically yeah, I had no stuff. basketball expertise. I basically just got on and told a bunch of stories. Well, <laughs> it, it was worth it. Okay. All right. I did. I was. I took a. Uh, I took something back to Best Buy today, and I there's a dude that I know in the parking lot was directing traffic, social distancing, and he was like, as I was like, hey, what's up, man? And like, he was like, yeah, go and pull in that spot, and he was like, hey. I like the podcast. I'm like, whoa, hey, all right. <laughs> okay, okay. Someone's listening. Dope. So anyway, so yeah, that's where I'm at. That was the highlight of the week. That was the highlight of the week, and I was really just taking something back to Best Buy. <laughs> and look what it turned into. I'm proud of you, man. That was good stuff. And here we are, talking about something that I don't even really watch hoops anymore. And here we are, breaking down Michael Jordan's career and just – Crapping on Clyde Drexler, poor guy. Yeah, I do feel bad about that, but because he was a great Blazer, like he was a—I mean, maybe the best Blazer ever. He's definitely up there, and Lillard, Lillard might be passing him. One, I mean, I think for what you know, for the you have to mention Bill Walton. I mean, he was—he brought the only championship. That's true, and he was I mean, an Clyde MVP, has a longevity. Clyde has the longevity. Lillard has the. See, that's the thing though. Lillard hasn't made the finals though. That's that's the big knock on him right now. 
among Blazer fans is, well, he can't be considered the greatest if he hasn't gotten to the finals yet. Yeah. It's tough because Walton didn't have a long enough career, but he did bring a champion. He's brought the only championship. Clyde so was, he's got to be in the conversation. Well, and Clyde was at the perfect time of his prime when the Lakers just kind of got old. Yeah. Lillard's yeah. prime is when the Warriors became the Warriors. I do think, though, that, that Clyde's teams were probably the most popular. Like, Blazer fans would rank those teams. Yes. as Because, I mean, you know, Kersey, Terry Porter, Duckworth, Buck Williams. Well, they, I mean, were, those here, guys they were, were here were, for so long. They played yes. exciting basketball. They got up and down and... They and, were they, and they worked hard. I mean, they were just like, yeah. Kersey wasn't a great basketball player, but, man, he worked his butt off. Right. Yeah. Rick Adelman coaching. Underrated coach. Super underrated. Yeah. Okay, right. that's it. There that's we it. go. We said we were done, and then we threw in another well, little bit there for the peeps. Happens. Happens.